Today's teaching is titled, God's Compassion, My Trigger Word. You know, uh, throughout our lives, uh, we all encounter emotional triggers, and these are the moments when a stimulus or situation instigates strong emotions within us. It's like a switch that instantly stirs up a response within our hearts. You know, we get revved up. You guys ever get revved up by something? <laughs> These triggers, uh, they can be ignited by various factors, such as, you know, a particular word or an event or even a specific situation. But how many of you would agree that sometimes people are triggers in your life? <laughs> yeah, you see them and your blood pressure rises, right? <laughs> and when we face these emotional triggers, we often find ourselves wrestling with feelings like anger or sadness or fear or anxiety. Now, it's important for us to understand that these triggers are also intensely personal. Um, they vary from person to person, although sometimes we try to make others share our burden, right? You know, if someone triggers you, they try to say, hey, if they trigger me, they should trigger you too, or else something's wrong. But we carry the burden of recognizing and managing our triggers for the well-being of our interpersonal relationships. Now, Compassion, on the other hand, is a term that offers um, opportunities to strengthen our faith, but it can also stir up complex emotions within us. Now, we're going to do something a little bit different today. Can we say different? different. Yes, yeah, so if you guys don't talk back to me, it's okay, because we're doing something different. You know, we'll be on a spiritual exploration. We're going to be using the game of chess as our metaphor. Anyone likes chess? It's okay, because I've asked Nathan to arrange a chess game for my sermon illustration. So I'm inviting Nathan and his chess partner to come. They're actually going to be right on stage for the entire you know, sermon. I'm really hoping that the game is not fixed. <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> but, but you guys have a favorite that someone you think is going to win? <laughs> now see, whether they, you know, they, you know, whether they, you know, complete the game or play multiple games, the outcome will remain relevant. That's what we're saying now. And any of you guys know how to multitask? You guys? Good. Okay, so some of you guys are saying, okay, Pastor Garfield is going to either be the sermon or the chess players. <laughs> but not both. They're the big ones. You guys can see, like, ooh, wrong move. But for those who don't like chess or have no clue what chess is, 
in chess, the objective is to checkmate the opponent's king, meaning to position the king um, so that it cannot escape being captured. I mean, they're going pretty fast already, huh? <laughs> but each um, check piece has a distinct role. Um, the chessboard serves as a battlefield where it's filled with strategy and sometimes emotions. And it's also where you find intellect intersect. And like the intricacies of chess, the concept of God's compassion acts as a powerful piece on our spiritual board. See, God's compassion can shape and challenge you know, how we practice faith and align our actions with God's compassionate nature. So as we'll see, our teaching will combine the complexity of chess with Jonah's reflective narrative. It's going to provide a unique perspective on our spiritual journey. Just as a chess piece, um, you, you, a player moves with purpose, we intentionally navigate our spiritual lives and we're guided by God's compassionate wisdom. You guys know the story of Jonah? See, the story of Jonah, it unfolds as, you know, we meet this prophet who disobeys God's command. He gets swallowed by a fish, repents, and ultimately delivers a message of repentance to the city of Nineveh. Now, we're not going to be arguing about whether or not it's a real fish or how big the fish is. That's not the purpose of the story. But in response, the people of Nineveh turn from their wickedness, and God extends his mercy in his limitless compassion. That's the heart of the story. Now, picture the story of Jonah as a symbolic chess match, a game between Jonah and God. And in this symbolic chess game of faith, Jonah symbolizes our hesitations and emotional triggers. His reluctance mirrors those moments when we question God's compassion, especially when faced with circumstances challenging our understanding. So as we examine this intertwined narrative of chess and Jonah, we must recognize that every move we make represents an opportunity for revelation and self-discovery. You'll find that if these guys were to play chess for the next year, every day, there are things that they'll learn about you know, each other, knowing the moves. You know, when a novice gets on, in about five minutes the game is over, or less. But the more you play a game, the more you understand your opponent, you realize that the game gets slower and slower. The triggers we encounter are not insurmountable obstacles. They lead us toward understanding compassion and divine intervention. Embracing these moments can offer profound insights into our faith journey, a message that's relevant to our diverse and intellectually engaged community here in Berkeley. Now, since it's a sermon, I do want to read a passage coming from Jonah 1, verses 1 to 3. I'm using the New King James Version. 
It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come, upon, has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to, to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Jonah's journey begins with a significant opening move, much like a chess player. Now, who made the first move? People are like, DJ? I don't know. wasn't paying attention. Because generally, when you have white and black color, who goes first? White piece. So, so just like this first move, were you able to tell what he might move as his first move? Yes. See? He said, he said yes. Because a chess player is not just thinking about the first move. They're thinking about the next five or six or seven different moves. And sometimes we think we can you know, do that with God when God gives an instruction. And we figure if we just move over here, then God is not prepared for us. So Jonah begins this journey, and he says, I know God's called me to go to Nineveh, but I'm going to go elsewhere. So like many of us, Jonah makes this unexpected first move, and he flees in the opposite direction, choosing to board a ship headed to Tarshish. Now, to put things into perspective, I have a slide for you. As you can see, Nineveh was about 550 miles northeast of Joppa, which is where Jonah was. But he gets, and, if, and of course, you know, you know, that's about 550 miles, which means it's going to Vegas. So fly down to Vegas. So, so uh, Jonah's like, no, I'm going to drive to Vegas instead. As you can see, Tarshish is 2,500 miles traveling across the Mediterranean Sea. That's like driving to New York. So Jonah's unexpected choice was to sail to Tarshish rather than obeying God's command. So this becomes a significant turning point. Now, why did Jonah resist God's call for compassion? Uh, this is a question that's worth exploring in our personal lives. I mean, have you ever found yourself hesitant to follow what you believe God is calling in your life? God's calling to do something. Have you ever been hesitant? You're like, you know he's calling you, but you're hesitant. Anyone of you have been that? I can also guarantee that just about every pastor will say the same thing. There's no way. And some of you, if you've ever led church ministry, you're like, <laughs> there's no way. That's what Jonah's like. I'd rather go to Vegas than go to New York. Um, I'm good. But Jonah is a chosen prophet with a divine purpose. But when the time came to fulfill this purpose, he made this surprising choice to run away. We may also be enthusiastic about our faith and the ministry we serve in until we encounter something that becomes our trigger word, the, the task we are reluctant to undertake. 
For instance, you desire to serve in ministry, but when the time and opportunity came, God calls you to join the outreach team, and suddenly your enthusiasm disappeared. You were confident that you were going to serve in college ministry, or at least serve on the worship team or the welcome team. There's no way you're going to join the outreach team. You know, you might even echo Jonah's sentiment. I'll do anything in ministry except that. I'll go anywhere but there. Many of us can relate to experiencing this hesitation. Sometimes we feel, you know, unqualified, uncomfortable, and other times simply unwilling. So why is Jonah uh, running from this compassion? Well, part of the answer lies in the destination God sent him to Nineveh. This is the capital of the Assyrian Empire. Now, the Assyrians were this powerful nation known for their military power, cruelty, and colonization. They were responsible for overthrowing the northern kingdom of Israel and exiling many of Jonah's fellow Israelites. Like others in the, his community, Jonah witnessed firsthand this devastating consequences of Assyrian aggression. Now, this history of conflict and suffering, it created this, you know, subconscious dislike and prejudice against the Assyrians living among the Israelites. Think about how we possibly avoid demonstrating compassion or even having conversations with an entire group of people because we dislike one person. Available, but unwilling. You have no problem with the church serving a specific group of people as long as it doesn't involve you. All Jonah had to hear was Nineveh, and he was triggered. He was confused about why God you know, would have compassion on this group of people. Do you ever find yourself feeling or even asking similar questions like, God, why are you extending compassion to this group of people? You guys ever ask yourself those questions? See, I see the newer faces are like, yep, that's that. I've done that, and all the shy ones are like, Pastor Garfield, you're going to judge me? Should I respond or not respond? But we have often have questions. Some questions we're like, I'm going to ask Jesus when I get to heaven, because I want to know. Some of you might question, you know, why leave Berkeley to care for people in the Tenderloin District? You might wonder, why can't I simply just donate money and have someone else to do it? So Jonah's hesitation stemmed from his conflicted understanding of God's compassion, which triggered emotions of doubt, fear, and uncertainty. He expressed his reluctance based on his actions. I'd rather go 2,500 miles in the opposite direction than to fulfill my purpose in Nineveh. Get me out of the Bay Area. I'd rather do anything but stay here. Making the right opening move in chess is essential for the setting, you know, like Nathan said, 
oh, once BJ played that first move, oh, I knew his next five moves. Five, four. <laughs> so Jonah's decision to run from God's calling set the stage for a turbulent journey. We say God's calling us to make a difference. But what's your first move? Are you influenced by something that will drive you in the opposite direction or something that will move you towards your purpose? See, as Jonah sailed away from his divine assignment, a fierce storm arose, jeopardizing the ship and everyone on, on that ship. Jonah 1 verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. This storm symbolizes the consequences of Jonah's disobedience, much like the consequences of making a risky opening move in a game of chess, BJ. Just as chess players must be prepared for the potential outcomes of their opening move, Jonah must confront the consequences of his decision to run from God's call. As the storm rages and the ship sways on the brink of destruction, the crew is thrown in this turmoil. Their lives are in danger simply because one person is unwilling to obey God's call. What turmoil are you experiencing because you're unwilling to obey God? Think about that in your personal life. Desperately trying to run in the opposite direction. Why might you be experiencing your life? Because the story's central conflict arises from the clash between Jonah's trigger word, Nineveh, and God's compassion, grace. Jonah struggles to reconcile the image of a God who had previously brought judgment upon Israel through the Syrians, and now he's extending mercy to that nation. So this tension between human emotional triggers and God's compassion is a universal struggle. We often find it challenging to extend compassion and forgiveness to those we perceive as undeserving. I mean, consider the phrase, Compassion for all. Does the word compassion stir warmth and gratitude in your heart because you remember what Jesus did when you needed his compassion? Or does it trigger a deeper emotion, expectation, and doubts that you may have wrestled with in your personal lives? Much like Jonah, we all carry a spectrum of emotional responses when faced with God's compassion. Some find comfort and healing, while others wrestle with fear, discomfort, or past hurts. Jonah's journey takes an interesting turn in Jonah 1, verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This moment highlights God's intervention and control, mirroring the opening move in the chess game. A pro controls the game based on this opening move. 
Jonah's initial move was to run and disobey God. He attempted to escape the call of compassion by fleeing in the opposite direction of God's calling. However, God's desire goes beyond the repentance of the Ninevites. He also seeks the transformation of Jonah's heart. In this pursuit, God reveals his character as a compassionate and merciful God who desires the redemption of all people. Are you going to have any mercy and be here today? Maybe. <laughs> After spending three days and nights in the belly of the fish, Jonah repents and he acknowledges God's sovereignty. He recognizes his need to submit to God's will and to obey his command to preach to Nineveh. Jonah's obedience, though reluctant, becomes a catalyst or a remarkable transformation in the city of Nineveh. The people respond to Jonah's message with repentance, and they turn to God. So Jonah witnessed uh, the power of God's compassion, which can change the hearts and bring reconciliation. His story serves as a testament to the transformative potential of God's love, even in the face of our prejudice and reluctance. Jonah's flight leads him to a place of reflective solitude in the belly of a fish. Jonah finds an unexpected opportunity for reflection, prayer, and repentance in this isolated darkness. It becomes uh, a pivotal moment in his journey, like the unexpected chessboard move that can alter a game's course. When you were playing chess and you saw I think Jane was playing on Friday. Uh, who else was playing with her? Ashley. And they were so intense in the moves. And as they're playing, they're considering every move. I was joking with them. I'm like, are you guys playing because you're introverts, playing over here by yourselves? <laughs> introverts can talk about introverts. Extroverts can't talk about introverts, all right? <laughs> But just like a chess game, you're waiting for the opponent to make just that one wrong move. And you, <laughs> <laughs> you made a wrong move? <laughs> <laughs> when you make that wrong move, you know for a fact that, you know, that your opponent controls the game. That's it. There's no take back. Sometimes you're like, if this was a digital game, I'd just hit undo. <laughs> but it's a real game, I can't do it. We're all witnessing this game. But Jonah's story reflects our own lives. We sometimes face moments of disobedience and reluctance in our calling. Just as Jonah's decision to run had consequences, our choices can impact ourselves and those around us. But just as Jonah's Obedience, though reluctant, led to a remarkable change in Nineveh, in our willingness to follow our calling, even in the face of hesitation, can bring about transformative outcomes in our lives and our communities. 
the solitude and self-examination uh, that Jonah experienced reminds us that moments of reflection and prayer can lead to personal growth and transformation. I'll say it again. Moments of reflection and prayer can lead to personal growth and transformation. You can start again. looking and you're like, why would you bring a chess game in the middle of a service? <laughs> but isn't this a mirror of our lives sometimes? That God knows the move we're about to make even before we make it. And we get an opportunity to try again. Jonah made a wrong decision trying to flee his calling, trying to flee what God is calling to do in the city. And maybe some of you are, are just like that. You know what God is saying concerning your life. And you're trying to figure out, how do I do opposite of what God is calling me to do? I know that God is probably calling me to, you know, maybe even lead a connect group or lead worship. You're like, ah, anything but that. And sometimes we find ourselves, just like Jonah, in a place where we get a chance to reflect and pray. And in that moment of solitude, we experience growth and transformation of our own hearts. Because it's a, it's a heart issue. Jonah had a problem with Nineveh. And although it was a, you know, we can say we understand why he was doing it, it doesn't change the fact that God was calling him to have a compassion towards them. So we find this growth in Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, what? The second time. Right, BJ? The second time. Yes. <laughs> and saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So Jonah's journey takes a significant turn when he finally submitted to God's call. Undertakes the mission to Nineveh and becomes a first-hand witness to God's compassion. Verse 5 says, So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Despite Jonah's initial reluctance and emotional turbulence he endured, Jonah emerges as a conduit for conveying God's message of compassion and redemption to those who lived in Nineveh. Uh, this phase of Jonah's life is a compelling evidence uh, to, that changes and can transpire in our lives when we embrace God's compassion. Even when it stirs up doubts and fears, it reminds us that our reluctance and emotional disruption should not deter us from answering God's call. 
there'll be moments when we say, God, I know you're calling me to do this. I don't want to do it. But when we make the change, or even when we make that bad decision, when we make that change, it doesn't disqualify us. Because we see that God gave Jonah a second chance. Just as Jonah's obedience led to the transformation of Nineveh, our willingness to step out of our comfort zones and embrace God's compassion can lead to powerful changes in our lives and those we encounter. We can draw inspiration from Jonah's journey as we navigate our path, facing our emotional triggers and ultimately ex you know, experiencing the transformative potential of God's compassion in our daily lives. The compassion of God can lead to healing, transformation, and redemption, not only for others, but for us. We have to often think about what healing can the thing that God is calling me to do provide for our lives. See, we're often you know, thinking about how people can be blessed by our ministry or blessed by the thing that we do. But what about us? Because sometimes by doing the good deed provides healing in our lives. There's something we learn about the chessboard of God's plan. Jonah's story is relevant to our everyday lives and spiritual journey. The first thing we learn is that we must embrace divine guidance. Just as Jonah was called for a specific purpose, we also have a unique calling and responsibility in our lives. Embracing God's guidance often requires stepping out of our comfort zones, challenging ourselves, and accepting the task that may initially trigger reluctance or uncertainty. So things might trigger that, but we can step out of it. Because sometimes that trigger is because we've been comfortable. Number two, we cannot ignore our reluctance and emotional triggers. Jonah's initial reluctance mirrors our hesitations and triggers. We sometimes resist tasks or responsibilities that seem daunting or unfamiliar. You know, the emotional triggers we experience can paralyze us, but Jonah's story shows us that God's compassionate plan will prevail despite our reluctance. So we have to confront our triggers. We confront it with faith and courage. Looking in our lives and saying, this thing is a trigger for me. But how do I confront this? How do I get over this? What do we do when we are triggered by people? Do we continually say, yep, this person triggers me, so for the rest of my life I'm going to live being triggered? Or do we say, God, how do you help me overcome this trigger point? Face our triggers. We also see that God plans to sustain us as we work through our emotional triggers. So DJ, see, he's being patient. Is he being patient this time around? Is he being patient with you? See, he's saying, yeah, okay. He's saying, yeah, I'm impatient. See, life often presents us with challenges, decisions, uncertainty. Just as Jonah's journey was filled with storms representing life's trials, we too face our challenges. So Jonah's story teaches us that God's compassionate presence 
sustains us even in life's storms. We've seen that God sent this fish. If you read the story, the story says that they, the men on board, they cast lots. Because they're saying, why are we experiencing this storm? Because this ship was sailing along, but they realized that there's one person that was not among them. It was Jonah. He was in the, in the bottom sleeping. And when they went and they're like, hey, jo hey, Jonah, what's going on in your life? Because we're experiencing something. And Jonah says, why don't you just throw me overboard? Think about that. Jonah was so unwilling to do God's call, he's telling these guys to throw him off the ship in the sea. Think about that for a moment. He didn't say, uh, just let me off at the next stop. He said, throw me over. And I guess those guys didn't hesitate because they're like, uh, I'm going to throw you over, which they did. But it says that God provided something to sustain Jonah. The same is true for us. The moments when we are facing the challenges because we are not, you know, we're triggered by something, and God is saying, as you're being, as you're working through this, he's like, I'm patient with you. I'm going to provide something to sustain you until you work through your, your challenges in life. We also see we need to learn to discern God's compassion. See, Jonah's struggle to comprehend God's compassion mirrors our own. We might wrestle with the idea of God's love and mercy, especially when faced with individuals or situations that you find challenging. But understanding God's compassion requires patience, humility, and a willingness to see the bigger picture. So sometimes it's not about the people we're trying to reach, but our willingness to obey God. How many of you guys are, are you know, more folks than I'm going to text you than anything else? <laughs> You're like, maybe. <laughs> In our lives, embracing God's compassion can lead to transformative experiences, both within ourselves and the life of others. And just as our choices can positively impact our community, Jonah's obedience transformed an entire city. Think about how the thing that God is calling you to do has the power to transform a city. See, we often talk about the transience of the area. But have you ever thought about the fact that you're actually leaving to make a difference somewhere else? You're not just leaving Berkeley or leaving the Bay Area. You're leaving the space to make a difference elsewhere. If we reframe our thinking, we often just say, oh, I'm just leaving the friends. I'm going to miss my friends. And it's like, yes, but it's also an opportunity to make a difference elsewhere. It teaches us that we can navigate life's challenges with wisdom, faith, and the understanding that God's compassion is the ultimate guide, leading us towards a purposeful and transformative journey. In Jonah 4, verses 5 to 6, it says, So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade so that he might see what would become of the city. The Lord God prepared a, plan, a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from, from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful 
for the plant. Much like, you know, a chess endgame where players strategically, you know, position their pieces for victory. Werner's story concludes where he, God's compassion orchestrates this remarkable demonstration of redemption. When Jonah finally obeys God and delivers the message to the people of Nineveh, they respond with repentance. This unexpected turn of events illustrates God's compassionate desire for redemption, even for those Jonah initially considered unworthy. In our lives, we face an end game a point where we must reconcile with our past choices and embrace the possibility of redemption. God's compassion transcends our past mistakes, offering a path to forgiveness and restoration. Just as Jonah witnessed the transformation of the people of Nineveh, we too can experience the profound power of redemption in our journey. God's compassion is about winning souls and transforming hearts and lives. As we navigate our end game, may we hold on to the hope of redemption and the enduring compassion of our Heavenly Father. He offers us a choice to rewrite our stories and the experience of his grace. In chess, there's a term called checkmate. It signifies the end of the game. It's okay. It's, 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 it's okay. <laughs> it's when one, are you checking it already? See? <laughs> so he says close to the end game. See? That's, that's the end game. See, it's not checkmate yet. The end game is when you get gathering all the pieces. He said it's close. He's losing this time. See, it's so, so of course, the checkmate is when one player, king, can be captured, leaving them with no moves to escape. Despite Jonah's initial disobedience and reluctance, Jonah ultimately finds himself in a situation where he has no choice but to obey God's call. Obviously, it took him being thrown over a ship into the mouth of a fish. I can make sure I didn't say fish, I said ship. I mean, we don't want to find ourselves in positions that something drastically happens. But Jonah was brought to this place of surrender where he recognizes God's authority over everything. Our lives also have moments when we face the limits of our control and understanding. In these moments of surrender, we can experience the fullness of God's sovereignty. Just as Jonah had to trust God's plan was greater than his own, we must put our faith in the one who orchestrates our lives. And who's that? Yes, God. He orchestrates our grand design. The story of Jonah teaches us that even when we make imperfect moves, God's sovereignty ensures that his ultimate plan is never in jeopardy. 
say is to understand that it doesn't matter how many mistakes you make. God's plan for your life is never in jeopardy. If God is calling you to do something, there's no take back. You might say, well, how can God still use me when I mess up over here? God's ultimate plan is never in jeopardy. We can find peace knowing that just as in chess, the game of life is in the hands of the one who has already secured the victory. As we embrace the concept of checkmate in our faith, may we learn to trust in God's sovereignty and surrender to his perfect will, even when we don't fully understand his moves. There are some action steps for us to consider. I want to, us to reflect on God's unconditional love in your life. Think about his love. How can you respond to his love with gratitude and obedience? Think about it for a moment. All right. Consider areas where trust and surrender to God's plan are needed. And how we can take small steps. It doesn't have to all be all at once. Just like in chess, one move, you reflect. Another move, the same is true for our lives. We pray, we discern what God is saying to our lives. We respond in obedience, one move at a time. But most importantly, practice compassion daily. Be mindful of your interactions with others, showing understanding and empathy, just as God does for us. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. James Overs? No, the worship team can come forward. You can come forward. I want us to just see these insights that we can gain from Jonah, or the story of Jonah, I should say, and how can bring you closer to God's compassionate embrace and enriching our relationships with others. All month long, we've been talking about missions and the things that God is calling us to do. But there's a move that we have to make, not just as a church, but individually. How do you demonstrate compassion to the people around you. And even when God gives you an opportunity and you mess up, how do you realize or recognize that God gives you a second chance and then you take advantage of it? You get one chance, you make a mistake, you get another chance, and sometimes you make another mistake. We get another chance, and sometimes we make a bigger mistake. Have you ever made a bigger mistake than the first one? Where you wonder, is God still going to use me? But you heard it earlier. That God's plan for our lives is never in jeopardy. Is the game over? Who won? Just took him failing one time, right? But isn't that true for a lot of times we learn from our mistakes? Jesus knew from the very beginning 
that we will make mistakes. He knew from the very beginning that there's some things in our faith that we'll forget. Even after dying on the cross, he says, there's something I want you to do to remember me. You know, it's not that we forget that he died on the cross, but sometimes we just need a little nudge because our direction might have been opposite from where he's calling us to. And so he says, as often as we do this, we do it in remembrance of him. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, this can be this next opportunity that you're getting. An opportunity to realize that God is still extending compassion to you. He's still extending his mercy, his grace. An opportunity for you to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. This is that opportunity for you. For all of us that are Christians or following Jesus, you know, we take communion in faith, remembering the finished work. Remembering that even in our sinful state, we can ask for forgiveness and we'll receive it by faith. Communion is a faith step. And so if you are a believer, this is a moment for you. If you have not yet made that decision to follow Jesus, we ask that you not partake of communion. But again, you have this opportunity to ask for forgiveness right now. We're told that if you confess that Jesus is Lord, ask him to forgive you for your sins, in that moment, you can be on the path of following Jesus. I want to pray for us. First, I want to pray for the ones who haven't made that decision. Lord, I pray for the one that's here that has not yet made that decision to follow you. Will you help them to trust you, God, as Lord of their lives? Forgive them of their sins, God. Your word is clear that when they ask for forgiveness, that you will forgive their sins so they can experience your grace. But I also pray for all of us here, God. Maybe we're in a state like Jonah where we have tried to run from the thing that you're calling us to. But help us, God, to learn from Jonah's story that even if we try to go 2,500 miles away from where you're calling us to, that you will create the right circumstance to not just bring us back to you, but to sustain us as we work through the things that trigger us. And sometimes we understand, God, that, you know, the call on our lives can be that trigger for us. I pray that you help us, God, to remain committed to you, move in our lives, God. Let your will be done in and through our lives. We just give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.